All right. Hello, Talk Clean listeners. It's a little bittersweet to let you know that this is probably the last episode of Talk Clean to me, though who knows what the future might hold. It's been a wild ride. Thank you so much for taking it uh, with us uh, on behalf of me, Joe Karen, uh, and my colleague, Chloe Holzinger. Uh, just a heads up that for this last episode, we've defi- decided to play with the format just a little bit. What you'll notice is that in an attempt to shorten the length of the episode but keep the amount of content in there the same, um, a lot of the times that you're hearing my voice uh, is actually me um, jumping into the recording after the fact to summarize and explain a little bit. So uh, we hope that you enjoy, uh, and thanks again. Hello, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to Talk Clean to Me. I'm your host, Joe Karen. And I'm Chloe Holzinger. So for this talk, we've sat down with Fabrizio Martini. Uh, my name is Fabrizio Martini. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Electra Vehicles. With his company, Electra, trying to address a serious problem, and that is the deployment of electric vehicles. And one of the biggest bottlenecks for electric vehicle deployment has to do with the battery. Uh, let's hear Fabrizio tell it. Battery packs for electric vehicles are still very expensive. They can reach up to 50% of the cost of the vehicle. Uh, they don't last uh, in time. After uh, five, six, seven years, the battery packs uh, doesn't perform as good as before. So the number of miles for an electric vehicle is reduced. Now, as we'll get into in a moment, Fabrizio and his team are looking to solve two problems. And the first problem has to do with how do we make battery systems in electric vehicles that last longer that is, they go farther, they can hold more charge. And how do we create battery systems that at the same time have more power, right? You can think of this as having the, the power to get uphill, the power to accelerate. And typically, those two features of a battery are mutually exclusive. The more energy dense you make a battery system, the less power you can get out of it. Current electric vehicles right now are using one single battery for the electric vehicles, one brand and one model of battery. Uh, instead, we have realized that uh, by using complementary batteries within the same vehicle, uh, one very high energy density or that can make a lot of miles, and the other one a very high power density that can provide the proper acceleration to the vehicle. And our control strategy we can think about as a brain for batteries. It's a smart brain for batteries. Okay. By the way, this part here that Fabrizio is getting into is really key. It's not the battery or the battery chemistry itself that they're innovating on. It's how we get two distinct batteries to two distinct battery types to work together in an effective way so that we're getting the best of both worlds. In fact, Fabrizio uses an analogy that I quite like. For example, all of our computers and Macs they have uh, two memories. Uh, one is the hard drive that is, uh, can store a lot of data, um, but is very slow. It's relatively slow. Um, and instead, the other one, the complementary memory, is the RAM that is a very, very fast uh, memory, uh, although it can store very little um, number of files or so. So there we have the first issue that Fabrizio and his team are trying to handle, and that is combining batteries with high energy density that can hold a lot of energy with batteries that can output that energy 
quickly. Now, we'll see that the second issue he's trying to solve has to do with battery design. So if you're designing an electric vehicle and you're thinking of the battery that goes in, well, you've got the specs for the vehicles. You look around for the battery that seems like it fits those specs. You go out and you buy it. You do a ton of analysis on that battery. Uh, you test it in the vehicle itself, and then maybe at that point you realize that it's something else that you need, so maybe a little more power, uh, maybe a little more energy capacity. Um, that whole process can take like two years. So Fabrizio and Electra are looking to drastically reduce the time required for that design. With our solution that we called N-Power, because we want to empower engineers to design better batteries, uh, we already modeled over 200 batteries in our database. So we spent the last three years of our time and resources to gather data from battery, battery manufacturer, national laboratories, universities, third parties, and so on. We gathered data and we uh, created models um, that we are licensing to all of these OEMs uh, through NPower software. So our users will take uh, about two months to design a full battery packs rather than two years, as I was mentioning. Wow. Why? Because we already pre-model all the batteries for them. We already pre-model vehicles for them. We already aggregate the resources and data for them. So everything is already there. It's a tool that helps them to design fast. And so what Fabrizio describes next is interesting. When they went out into the world and they deployed this database of battery specs to help expedite the design process of getting a battery into a vehicle, they found that the battery producers eventually started coming to them. But then lately, uh, since uh, battery manufacturer realized that we are licensing the software to OEMs mm -hmm. and they could uh, perhaps sell more if they're in our database, they are reaching out to us and they want to be part of NPower. So now as someone interested in entrepreneurship, this is very interesting to me. I've got my copy of uh, Business Model Generation in front of me by Alexander Osterwalder and Yves Pignier. I hope I'm getting that right. And here's how they describe a multi-sided platform. Multi-sided platforms bring together two or more distinct but interdependent groups of customers. Such platforms are of value to one group of customers only if the other group of customers are also present. The platform creates value by facilitating interactions between the different groups. A multi-sided platform grows in value to the extent that it attracts more users, a phenomenon known as the network effect. Now, I don't pretend to be an expert in entrepreneurship or um, designing business models, and I'm not sure that what Fabrizio has described here fits that mo what I've just read perfectly, but it is interesting to me that Fabrizio kind of stumbled into this kind of approach where he's working with both the designers of electric vehicles and also the battery manufacturers. And by creating a platform where both very different parties can come together and find value on that platform because of the presence of the other one there, well, he's created something that's really, really valuable. Cool, so that wraps up the technical aspects of this show. Now we'll move on to what it was actually like to make the decision to start this company, and I'd encourage our listeners to really listen to how Fabrizio identified a very tangible need that he knew he could address. How did you get started with electric vehicles? I was a principal investigator of a NASA project. We are working on um, a rover for Venus exploration. Mm. And the, um, 
the NASA engineers were asking me, Fab, we need more energy and we need more power in our systems. Um, can you find us a battery that works for, for, for everything? Uh, and the solution is that uh, I couldn't find one. So I couldn't find one battery that could provide uh, all the performance needed for that rover. So I started to hear that from other engineers, from other companies, other defense companies and so on. Uh, so I, I started to realize that there was a need of a better solution. And um, I realized that the solution was going to a multi-chemistry or multi-battery system where you combine complementary energy stores to work together. Um, then uh, um, I've also realized I wanted to see more and more uh, electric vehicles on the market. Uh, and uh, again, as we mentioned, the main drawback was the battery. Uh, so combining those two problems, uh, I decided to start the business electric vehicles. So this is really, really cool to me. Not only did he identify a problem that he had, he verified that other folks had this problem, and it happened to align with a personal mission of his, which was to expand the deployment of electric vehicles. And that's how Electra was initially conceived. Back to Chloe. And what was it like starting your first company? Was it scary? Uh, did you have any reservations about the risks involved? Um, it was an exciting process, and it's still a very exciting process. The, not a simple process, although, as I was mentioning, there is a lot of support uh, in, the, in the Massachusetts area and uh, in Boston, so it was uh, easier than, uh, you know, than some people can think because of the overall support. Although, of course, there's a lot of uh, work and effort for a long period of time. Uh, having a startup or be part of a startup is something that I highly recommend to everyone because uh, you really understand that um, everything you do matters and matters a lot. Every action you take uh, from a simple email to a document you, you create uh, or a connection and networking uh, in a startup environment makes a big difference. Um, and so it's something that I, I will highly recommend to everyone. When you started out at Electric Vehicles, did you have a clear vision for what you wanted the company to be? And is that vision still accurate today? Um, yes, so the, the vision uh, was there and is still accurate. Although how to get to that vision and uh, the business model has been uh, shaped uh, thanks to a lot of uh, input from uh, mentors, experts in the field, uh, investors, uh, community, and so on. Um, so, yes, the vision was to have, uh, um, is, is to have actually, um, better energy storage systems um, and uh, around the world, as well as uh, pushing on uh, electrification of uh, things, including vehicles, uh, and having more and more electric vehicles for everyone. It's... Uh, Yes, the vision stays there. Uh, of course, uh, how to get there and the business model has been shaped. Cool. So here's somewhere that present or, I guess, future Joe wants to jump in, depending on how you're looking at it, is this uh, adaptability um, in the business model is something that we've heard a lot from our entrepreneurs. They have a vision and a goal in mind but they know they need to be flexible on how they get there. They know they need to listen to the input of their mentors. I think Ben Glass from Alteros uh, put it really well when he said, it's like in basketball, they're always driving towards the basket um, and they know where the basket is, but how they get there can be circuitous. Um, it can involve going backwards and you're dodging and weaving and 
uh, adapting your plan uh, all in the service of getting that basket because it's that adaptability uh, and resiliency to change um, that I personally think um, helps a lot of entrepreneurs be successful. Up next, we talk about one of my personal favorite and one of the most important parts of launching any company is the customer discovery process. Uh, so let's hear from um, Fab what the customer discovery process was for Electra. And by the way, um, for those who need a refresher, that customer discovery process means you have a good idea, but you don't know it's a good idea until you get out there and start having a lot of phone calls and meetings with the people who are hopefully going to be using that product at the end of the day. So people suggest to talk with uh, at least 100 potential customers and gather feedback. Um, we have done that. So we have, uh, at the beginning of the business, we started to talk with potential customers. We realized that there was a need for what we are about to build. Some engineers told us that we're using Excel spreadsheet to design battery packs. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> and when you say, wow, okay, Excel is uh, a little bit behind, we can help you guys out and, and build a tool for that. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, when you hear and you talk to customer, you have positive and negative feedback. Um, and you need to take, in particular, the negative feedback are the most important. Initially, uh, at Electra, we are considering to propose not only the design and the control solution, but also some of the hardware components. Uh, then, talking to customer, we realized that uh, the, hard the hardware gets commoditized most of the time with years, uh, although the software does not. So um, we started to hear from them that they were looking to control and design, design and control over and over, um, more than the hardware part. So that's really cool, right? By talking to customers and thinking systematically about that feedback, particularly the negative feedback, the company made an informed decision around it, what value propositions it would be offering as part of its business model. Um, and then what he covers what Fab covers next here, I think is pretty cool. I hadn't heard of this before. It's an open books method of uh, running a company. Check it out. Hearing opinions and point of views from every team member is, uh, is extremely uh, fundamental for the business. We actually run our business in uh, uh, with open book management. So uh, we are based our uh, business in on three pillars, and one of them is open book management. Open book management means that uh, everyone within the business knows everything uh, about uh, relationship with customers, uh, investors, um, um, contracts, uh, and so on, cap table, and so on. So it's really open, uh, and uh, we have seen a lot of uh, positive feedback from the team members. So there is a lot of transparency and trust within the team members. So once you have that, uh, you really uh, act uh, as a... A, a, a super team, mm -hmm. uh, more than actually, uh, you know, um, hiding few things or covering few aspects of the business. Um, so we have seen uh, very powerful pillars, and we are building the company up from those three. So now I think it's interesting to talk quickly about where Electra is as a company today. So they have an idea, they've pitched, um, they've validated their conclusions. And what's next for them is proving and testing how their product actually works and add value. So we'll hear about a demonstration project in just a moment. And this is a familiar thing we talk about uh, on the show. And one name you're hearing come up a lot is Mass CEC because one of the many types of support that they offer uh, to the startups that they work with is helping in particular with these demonstration projects. 
And remember, this is important because no one really wants to be that first customer to buy an unproven product. But yes, the goal is also in the next uh, 12 to 18 months is doing an a on-road uh, demonstration program. Um, we might do it with a, an entity here in Boston. I can still not uh, reveal who are they, but uh, I'm sure you are familiar with them. And uh, uh, perhaps in collaboration with the MassCC, the Massachusetts Clean Energy Center. Um, but uh, we'll see. But definitely acquiring more customers. Um, Did you ever feel like you were in over your head? Um, of course, in a startup environment, there are a lot of uh, up and down. Um, there is... Uh, you know, a lot of exciting moments and a lot of uh, difficulties. And uh, why that happened is because, uh, um, you know, a lot of decisions are quite critical on the financial side, on the commercial side. Uh, instead for an established business, uh, a decision is critical, but not uh, uh, as in a startup environment. He means fatal, by the way. That one wrong decision by a startup can be fatal. Um, but I never thought about uh, thinking over my head or thinking to quit, uh, not at all. I'm actually quite convinced about uh, the application. And, and that was uh, given also by talking with customers and talking with the ecosystem. You know, we need to, when you have an idea and a concept, you need to talk it out and talk to people more and more and gather feedback. Again, it's fine to get negative feedback. You want to de-risk them. So what would you consider your biggest challenge so far? Yeah, I think... Um, Probably um, relationship with the many people in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. So not only the team members, uh, but also everybody around the, your business. So with a startup company, you started to increase the number of relationships uh, with people drastically. Interesting. Um, more and more weekly or so. So you need to understand how to handle different, um, you know, uh, behavior, different um, aspect of each person because we are everybody's different. So you need to be um, understand that and uh, and be prepared and adapt and learn. Uh, you know that you cannot be the same or have the same uh, attitude with everyone. You right. need to embrace their background, embrace their culture, embrace their ideas, and and so on. So I think relationship with the people has been uh, quite interesting. I would love to have like a psychology uh, degree more than engineering <laughs> background. But uh, no, that was the interesting part of the business. Cool. And so the flip side of that question is, have you had any moments where you feel on top of the world at Electra? Uh, one happened uh, yesterday when a large uh, uh, manufacturer told us that they were looking for our solution for a while and they want to license our solution uh, for a period of time coming along. So that was a very big moment. And uh, uh, of course, we need to realize that uh, that's one step. There are so many other opportunities out there. So, uh, but yeah, it, in a startup environment, it happens. And uh, you need to have a celebration for those because you, everybody works so hard in startups. Um, so you need to understand that that's a little step forward, a big, a little step forward, but a big achievement. So you want to celebrate with the team and, uh, and be happy about it. And then to the next milestone, the next day. <laughs> I hear this a lot, by the way, from entrepreneurs that they're one of their biggest thrills is hearing from a customer is, I want that, I need that, how soon can I get one? It's got to be quite a thrill. What other things might you tell aspiring entrepreneurs? Yeah, I, I would say that uh, everybody can make a big impact. So you can start uh, your own business or you can join an early stage startup. Um, and um, 
I'm sure that you won't regret. Uh, it's an extremely good experience to do. Uh, even if uh, failures would occur, it's the experience still worth it. You know, entrepreneurs, sometimes they fail uh, two, three, four times, uh, but then they succeed uh, after that. Um, but they succeed only because they had experienced the failures before. Right. So my recommendation would be, um, you know, look into your um, dream and missions and uh, don't be afraid about the difficulties um, because, uh, you know, you, there are opportunity uh, to get helped uh, for your startup environment and, uh, and business. So, yeah, so just... Uh, Think about this and uh, and push uh, on the, on the new innovation. So, what motivates you personally to pursue electric vehicles? So, the big motivation is we all live in a in a cleaner world um, and for future generations as well. Um, I can't stand to see still see like uh, uh, internal combustion engine vehicles uh, all around the cities when we have technology that could get rid of that. Although even if I study uh, vehicles and regular ICUs um, vehicles in my bachelor degrees, uh, that's relatively old technology that we should move on. Uh, and uh, yes, yeah, so that's, uh, that's what motivates me and the team. Cool. Thank you very much, Fabrizio, for, for joining yeah, us today. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. So in the show notes, you will find uh, more on electric vehicles. You'll find links to all of electric vehicles, social media, tags, and website. Uh, and if you would like to support the show, please tell a friend, tweet at us, give us a five-star review, as always. And uh, we are stopping doing the challenges. Why? Wow, we got one are challenge. We? I forgot to we do did? it. We did? Yeah. It was probably Andrew, frankly. Okay. Um, but somebody well, did want you to eat a spicy pepper. I forgot to tell you that. Oh, no. Yeah. You okay. Spe- you specifically. <laughs> I think it was like one of the last episodes of last season. We were talking about eating really spicy peppers. And you were like, I'll eat a spicy pepper. Oh, I bet it was my friend Jason. Okay. So, I mean, okay. you still have to eat a spicy pepper. I will eat so a spicy know. pepper. Oh, I have a challenge. Do it. Uh, so Joe and I are both avid comic book fans. That's true. Yes. So if you have a favorite comic book, tell us and we will read it and tell you back what we thought of it. And maybe, I mean, Joe and I both have very different tastes in comic books. Also true. So we might both like it. We might both dislike it. We might disagree. And it would be fun to see what you pick. I think of another one would be if they just name a superhero, we have to do a really bad cosplay of that superhero or dress up in our as best as we can with household objects and do our best superhero impersonation. So you can have you can do <laughs> your intellectual discussion. I'll jump dress up like a, a loon and jump around like a, a superhero recommended by our, by our listeners. How about that? I like that. that. Sounds good. Anyway. Please also visit TalkCleanPodcast.com, tweet at us at TalkCleanPod, or email at TalkCleanPodcast.com. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Unless you're, like, totally unprepared because you had already given up on it. (laughs) No, that's already written down for me.